Hello and welcome to Scottish Self-Build and Renovation. My name is Gavin Esselmont. I am your host for this evening. I hope you've had a great weekend. It's been a bit hit and miss in terms of the, the weather, uh, but it's looking quite sunny now in Aberdeen, so fingers crossed it, it holds for next weekend. Um, if you have any uh, questions during this programme, please, please post your question or comments uh, in the feed on the channel you're watching. Uh, we'll get to those uh, and we'll pick them up at the end. Uh, this programme is uh, being recorded and will be made available across all our social media channels, uh, our website and our podcast channels as well on Amazon and Spotify. So if you uh, break out um, halfway through this programme, you can you can watch it again uh, um, after. Uh, so I am joined today by Hamish Malkin of uh, Munro and Noble Financial Services. Uh, good evening, uh, Hamish. Evening, Gavin. Thanks for having me on, sir. Evening. How are you doing? You had a rushed, uh, a rushed uh, trip to the to the studio. Yes. Yeah. Always good to have a bit of adrenaline uh, from technology uh, before kicking off. But yeah, all good, sir. All good. <laughs> good. No. Thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and. Uh, you know your your experience, and uh, you've got some war stories you're going to be telling us of uh, tonight. I think. Uh. Yeah, um, I suppose I've been involved in self builds and uh, construction projects some uh, some stage or other, going for almost twenty years, probably more than twenty years. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose the the basics of buying a plot of land and putting a house on it, and living in it thereafter, has never really changed. But there's been quite a lot of change in finance and uh, options and banks in twenty years. Um, and yeah, it's just looking for the looking for ways that work with people, trying to keep them straight and narrow, um, and uh, not really having any favourite lenders. I don't think it's just the just the best lender for that particular client. You've got to be pretty flexible, especially these days. I think you know. Of course, yeah, and I guess uh, certainly with COVID and, and the various kind of economic challenges we've had over the last kind of five six years, and probably will continue. Um, you must you must have seen it all. Well, I suppose uh, having lived through the banking crisis of 08, 09, uh, that's almost looking like a bit of a warm-up act for what we're going through just now, true enough. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess about managing client expectations, managing timescales. We've seen a lot of variety of timescales with lenders this last couple of months. Um, and I think, to be fair, it's been very evident which lenders uh, you can rely on for your contacts, which ones have kind of gone missing for a period of time. And uh, yeah, just helping clients with that experience get to the get to the end end result from as painlessly as possible. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's exciting though. I think uh, you know it's 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 easy to focus on the the scary parts of this, but I think we need to stay focused on this is exciting. This is about uh, building something of your dreams and and really taking the time out to do it right. So there's obviously a a place for. Uh, excitement and passion but as we were talking yesterday we had a little chat yesterday to understand you know it really is a case of staying grounded and doing the basics and, and one of the most important parts of a self-build is making sure that finance is in place before you even start and I think again you, you've had various kind of uh, war stories again um, where you've seen that kind of uh, crumble and it's all too easy especially in these sort of climates you just don't know what's coming your way so if you put the fourth upside into understanding where you're positioned financially, uh, then hopefully everything else uh, slots into place thereafter. Yes, certainly, Gavin. I mean, I think if, 
people listening, you want to take one takeaway from the whole session um, is kind of do the preparation and uh, certainly look before you leap. Um, it is kind of sobering for an advisor when you're sitting in front of a client who has put, in some cases, the life savings into the purchase of a plot of land. Um, and they've just assumed this is going to be a squish. Cell phones easy, they're going to fit exactly the parameters for lenders. And, and uh, it is about keeping a calm nerve when you've actually held them that really. So, in the same way, you build a, a house from the foundations up. In terms of self fold project, the foundations is the finance, unless you're a cash buyer for not only land but the, the, the build cost as well, which is pretty rare, that's a big chunk of money. Um, it's, it's more than likely you're going to need some sort of financing at some point in the project. Um, so it's really about trying to get people in for an early chat. Um, clearly, there's been a lot of change the last two, three months with lenders, um, and one of the major Scottish self fold lenders did come out of the market for a little bit six weeks. Okay. Um, so, you know, always good to have a chat ahead of time. I don't think you can go away and leave it. You'll leave your project, leave the financing for six months and you're back and just assume nothing will change with that lender. So, you know, mm -hmm. communication, getting a sense check up front, either from a broker or a lender directly, that you fit their little boxes and uh, can pick all the criteria. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely don't just charge in, throw some money down for a plot of land and uh, then hope for the best later on, you know. Yeah. So what um, what would you say that are, are the biggest mistakes that uh, people have made in a self build? You know that could be, I guess, at the start, or the beginning, after. You know, is there anything that kind of springs to mind that uh, that you could provide as advice? Yeah, again, in terms of cautionary tales, I mean that just does happen. People would just buy the land and have not given any forethought of what the self build options are. Um, so. You know, if for any reason you're, you're quirky, maybe you're not paid in UK sterling, your job isn't doesn't neatly fit into P60 territory, maybe you've only been self-employed for a year. These are all things that won't be impossible, but they're going to narrow your, option, your options down for self-build. Um, there are only about, say, nine, probably ten that push self-build options available for clients in Scotland. So you don't want to be in a position where you've only got three to start with. And then maybe by buying the land up front, you've kind of rolled yourself out of, of one of those. Mm -hmm. um, possibly even beyond that, and I do appreciate intuitively it may sound like a reasonable course of action for people that they want to buy the land and they've got a bit of money to pay for the first couple of stages of the, of the build. Um, Counterintuitive or whatever, that actually reduces your lending options. And so is there anything... Even that... though you're running with your own cash and you've got your own money to get... Mm -hmm. no, as I was going to say, I mean, really, lenders, if they're going to come in, even at the tail end of a project or halfway through, they want to have somebody signing it off all the way through. So if there's a QS appointed architect, whatever it may be, um, lenders get very nervous if you've actually got the house half finished and they've not had somebody overseeing the funds going in the first couple of stages, even though you're doing it with your own money. So, so once you, you've, uh, I guess, found the, the right uh, lender, uh, you're underway. Um, are there are there further things that folks should uh, or, or that folk do that that could make things tricky for them? Yeah, well, I, I suppose keeping the budget is an easy thing. Easier said than actually doing in person. There's there's kind of a a gallows humour kind of joke for those of us involved in self folds. There's two types of self folds: one that runs over time and over budget, and then the other type that run way over time and way over budget. So if something does happen, whether it's you, the developer, whatever it is. It's always good to shout out to the lender early 
we're actually we're going beyond uh, what we think here. We don't just bottle it all up and then give it to them on the last day. Um, it's really just being mindful that in almost all self-build processes, there will be an, an, an end summing up, if you like, before you go off the self-build process and onto your two-year fixed rate or five-year fixed rate, wherever it's going to be. So if anybody's planning to changing job during the self-build process, um, that does happen. Always better to confirm with the lender before you change that you still fit into their criteria. Um, whether you're changing from a job with a high basic to something with a lower basic and more commission and overtime, uh, you might go into them, um, you know, a salary basis on something that's a bit more freelance. Nothing wrong with these things at all, but not all lenders view them the same way. Yeah. So if you're looking to make that change and you can make that change during the during the build stage, always better to check them a lender. They're still cool with that. Um, I guess so any changes factors that uh, that uh, kick in that aren't planned. I, I guess with COVID, very topical in terms of. Uh, Redundancies, furloughed, pay, um, various kind of scenarios that can affect your lending criteria. Um, I suppose that the, the policy is to be honest with your lender. So if you have the lender um, already agreed, um, it's best not to hide these things and actually be upfront and honest. Yeah, yeah you're right, Gavin. I mean, you, one would think, one would hope, with especially with something like COVID, you know, if somebody's you know lost their job, I mean, if the house is three quarters finished. You would certainly think the best course of action for all parties is let's get the house finished, even if it needs to sitting on an interest-only period or even a, a payment holiday once it's finished before they convert to mortgage. I mean, that's got to be better than leaving the house half finished. The contractors are probably going to go off-site. How quick can you get them back, get them back on again? Um, but, you know, you, you know, for the letter of the law, you're in breach if there's material change to your income and you've not prepared it to lender. You're in breach. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of any change of income, absolutely, you've got to just play that, you know, with a straight back all the way through the build stage. Um, and in terms of commitments, um, I've seen I've seen it go both ways actually. Um, I've seen people get the first few stages done under a head of budget, they've saved some money, and maybe on Saturday afternoon they're going down to get the car serviced. Two hours later, they come out the car salesman's on top of their game. They come out with a new car. Yeah. Um, again, new financial commitment. You know yourself, kind of nice. So it's easy done. Um, so again, you know, if you've now got a new commitment than you had beforehand, that could cause you a problem at the end of the six, twelve, nine months, whatever it's going to be for the to convert to the end mortgage. Um, and the, the converse of that, I suppose, is if the budget has gone adrift and the kitty of cash that you maybe had to do all the furnishings, all the nice stuff inside. Um, if that cash is gone, people might just decide they're going to take some buy now, pay in 12 months type arrangements. Again, that's going to be viewed as a financial commitment from the lender. So you just need to sense check that you still hit their numbers at the end of the mortgage. Um, and certainly don't go racking up on credit cards. That's even tougher to get right into, to be honest with you. Um, I guess so these also, are almost, you might call them. No, I guess that also applies to... Uh, when you're planning, I mean, if, if you're maybe your, your self-build project or your major renovation project is kind of two two years out, then you've obviously got time that you can get planning financially because it's not just about the build. It's obviously making sure that uh, you do a health check in your own financial situation to make sure that you've got the best possible case to um, agree a, a good mortgage at the start because obviously you've got a, the process and then you've got the remortgaging at the end. So uh, all these things uh, sometimes I believe that uh, can be 
uh, can be thought out and planned at the start. Do that problem. That new car, that uh, that uh, interest-free um, furniture. All these things have a, have an impact on your lending criteria. All right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Are you okay? It's just about keeping that straight. All good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, so just um, a question on on, on lenders. So, uh, obviously, there's there's various lenders available. Uh, probably not as many as the traditional kind of uh, uh, purchase kind of uh, uh, mortgage lenders. But uh, for a self-build uh, lender, you know, different criteria on on house types. Is there any kind of restrictions on, for example, I don't know, um, kind of flat roofs or maybe non-traditional construction? Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there certainly is, yeah, but I mean, you know, in terms of, of what you might call really eco-friendly houses with not a lot of brick, a lot of glass, glass and a lot of um, lot of timber going on, there's certainly some lenders who are more specialised towards that um, and will actually reward a better operating with a better of interest rate. Um, certainly, if I'm sitting with a client and we're talking about self-builds, if they're mentioning anything about non-traditional construction or flat roofs, for example, some really stunning flat roofs going about, um, that's certainly getting me on my toes from day one and to say, right, let's just send check in with lender that they're cool with the type of house you're going you're gonna to buy. Um, I don't think you can assume anything there. Bear in mind, there's only about nine or ten options to begin with. If you're looking to build something a little bit just, you know, or pieced, then I would definitely check that with the lender at the same time as checking your income and your commitments, all the kind of routine stuff. And does that also apply if you make changes in the build? So once you're, you have your planning in place, you're on the, the road to uh, 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 completion, you have a change in heart, you maybe want to change something from a, a pitch to a flat roof. Um, is that something, again, you'd probably be best to go to the lender and just be upfront and honest in terms of that change that's been made? Because it could be fundamental and that's it could have an impact on your, again, your lending criteria? Yeah, I, I mean, there's no right or wrong, Gavin. I don't have any favourites. I think we used 23 different lenders last year, so we've got a widespread, and we're not in anybody's, you know, kind of pocket for giving them all our business. Um, type of construction, lenders have their own ideas, and I've been some really stunning houses that we couldn't get mortgaged or couldn't get with the first choice mortgage lender because they're deemed as non-traditional. Let's say flat roofs, I've got, yeah, an example of that. Um, again, I think people just perceive the numbers are okay. They've looked at my income, they've looked at my accounts, the numbers are all okay. We're going to build a fantastic house. But, you know, bear in mind, you only have quite a small section of lenders to begin with. Um, you don't want to go back and, you know, just present them with this on the last sign off. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a bit exciting for all the parties around that conversation. Okay, cool. That's good. That's good to know because uh, the temptation is to, you know, it is your dream home at the end of the day, and uh, albeit you'd like to try and get everything done and uh, completed at the start of the planning process, as ever. I know I'm I'm the worst culprit for this is to make changes because you think it's an easy thing to do, but as Duncan Robson said in the last uh, webinar, you really don't want to be doing that. You know, it's tempting, uh, but sometimes it just kind of lands you into hot water, not just from a design and a construction perspective, but clearly now uh, we understand that it can actually be a financial issue as well. So good, good to know. So, so at the end of the build, obviously we're, we're running towards the uh, the completion date. Uh, what options uh, would, would we have uh, with the mortgage then? I mean, you've, you've got a mortgage at the start. Is there options to potentially uh, flip that out for another structure? 
Yeah, um, certainly the, the mainstream self-builders that people will be more aware of, not many in the high street, true enough, but you know, some of the names that people would find in, in some of the search engines or, or comparison websites, their proposition is they want to lend you the, 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 through the build stage, on stage payments, and then at the end of it, so like what rates have we got, what options? And like the two-year fixed rate, five-year fixed rate, you know, there'll be a few options there. Um, there are a couple who allow you to then just remortgage away. Um, I think intuitively as an ex-bank again, I always kind of feel that if this lender here helped us through the, the, the scary bits of natural stage payments, I mean, they should be rewarded. You should stay on the books for them for a while. Um, but it's not always the case. And although you should end up with a fantastic house and relatively low loan to value at the end of it, um, the products that naturally flow from a self mortgage, that's rarely the cheapest you'll get in the marketplace. Um, so again, that's something we'd always look at. You might be doing your cost comparison at the start of the project on lender one to lender B or lender two. Um, it may be a cheaper option to go through the bold stage with the first lender, but they might keep you in, retain you for a longer period on a higher rate at the end of it. So I think a lot of people when they're doing this themselves might just focus on the nine to 12 month build stage and then forget about the fact they might be then committed to that lender for a further two years, paying an extra percent, 1.25% at the end of it. Um, so it's all about, first of all, you've got the high, got the high spot, first of all, that's a given. Um, but I always try and look a step ahead. What does life look like when you come to the end of this? How long you came in for? What's that rate look like? Um, because once you've got the house finished, um, you have a lot far wider choice of, of mortgage options at that point than the initial nine or ten full end stage payments. So it is something worth looking at, definitely. How long you committed in that perhaps higher rate at the end. Ned, John Murray's come up with a, a, an interesting question. He's he's obviously um, saying though, you know, what happens if you actually run over budget? So if you've got a a lending criteria for a certain budget, um, you know, it could be that you have an issue with uh, overspend and you're slightly out of kilter with what you've got approval for. I mean, uh, so he's, he's jokingly said, you know, uh, they, they certainly didn't uh, run to budget and it'd be quite interesting to understand what the lender's uh, opinion would that be, or, you know, would that be a case of remortgaging or would it be a case of you having to put more money in or trying to come back into budget towards the end of the project? I mean, how, how do you deal with these sorts of things? Yeah, well, well, the lenders will, will all have, well, I suppose a couple of criteria, they'll certainly all have a maximum loan to value. So, again, now this is where, again, I've been involved in some of these projects. Sometimes you can spend X amount on the house and it won't necessarily add X amount onto valuation, but soft furnishings or, you know, internals, whatever it may be. Um, so the lenders will be governed by two things, and, and I've never seen them really move on this, is what's the loan to value can be at the end of it, and ultimately, what's your what's your affordability? So again, that's why I talked about the, the pull and push of changing income, changing commitments during the build stage. Um, I think you would get to a certain point in line just saying, for a self-build, that's our maximum, that's 85%, that's probably as high as you get, really. Um, anything beyond that, they would simply say, right, well, that's as far as we're going, and the client would have to take personal loan, something uh, something that sort, which is never going to be as cheap as a, as a mortgage. Um, so, yeah, budget budget's tricky, and you need to shut out as early as possible if you think we're going over budget and then try and rein it into some future point. You know, pull the garage next year, perhaps. 
It's all the, the nice shiny things at the end of the project that you really want to be spending money on, like the kitchen, for example, or the, the bathroom. So, so I guess it's trying to get it right at the start. And then, um, you know, you don't want to be raining in on the on the nice shiny things. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So now it's, uh, and just you, you talked there about land. Um, it's interesting to understand how people come by land. You know, it may be that they're uh, gifted land or it may be that they're, um, they're purchasing land and, and having to borrow just to get the land, um, or maybe the, their family owns land next to the plot and they can ultimately build on that. I mean, um, does that have uh, an impact on, on lending criteria? I mean, how do the mortgage providers uh, see that? Does, that? does that help the whole kind of application process? Yeah, in the main it does. Um, most lenders will accept the, the value of the land you've been gifted as part of your contribution. So you know, obviously that's going to help a lot. I mean, your land's not getting cheaper, that's for sure. Um, there's one exception to that, and it's one of the lenders, probably one of the highest profile lenders who just have their own rule. They will not lend on a self-build if you, either you own the plot next door or members of close family own the plot next door. Um, I've never really figured out why that is, but it just is. So it's a question we ask very early on in our fact thing, because that's going to narrow down your options at the very start. Um, but yeah, if people have got land, been gifted land, it's probably going up in value. If they've got a pre-planning, they've taken a few planning, then most lenders will look at the valuation with the planning in place and say, well, that's your contribution. Um, so in the main, it could work, but let's say there's one caveat about one lender just doesn't like that scenario of having family land next door to you, if you like. So again, that's just where we can, we can save thanks time and weeks of frustration going down a path that uh, ends up as a rabbit hole, you know? And, and one of the <clears throat> the temptations is to do to do the work yourself. And you know, it may be that you're a joiner, you're a sparky, or, or you know, you, you've got a trade behind you. And uh, rather than uh, contracting out parts of the build, you may actually want to do it yourself. Does that impact the lending? Um, I think you just need to present it right way, really. Um, clearly, in that scenario, there's not going to be an NH, NHPC builder, so a lender would look for an architect or a QS to sign it off. Um, that architect QS has to have certain amounts of PI and be accredited um, to lender satisfaction. Um, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it work over in a case like that just now. Um, a couple of things to look out for um, if you're kind of going on mates rates, for a better expression. Um, you just need to be mindful of what your cost per square meter is working out at. Some lenders have de minimis levels beyond that. They don't think it's actually built properly. Probably is, but you know there might be a bit of, of trade-off uh, from different guys in the trades. Um, you know, again, I've seen it done before. If it's mates' rates, all the mates need to be fully committed. So if there's five different guys or girls involved in a project, if one's doing it at the weekend and the next one doing it Monday to Friday, you get that's an easy way for costs to slip and time skills to slip. Um, and again, it's just not easy. Sometimes if you've got a main contractor, you've got a signed contract, everything's formal, he's going to be there at a certain length of time. Um, yeah, it can be diff different when, when, when friends are doing it, coming together. It can be a bit more relaxed, sometimes too relaxed. Um, it doesn't always end up as a slick, as a slickest project that will run the budget when you're doing it, or ironically, you might think it would be. So, so I guess um, uh, John, John's actually come up with a question that's very similar to what, what we're just talking about there is, you know, do lenders insist on a main contractor to do the build? And probably the answer to that is they prefer it. Is that right? Or, or? Um, 
I would say they prefer it. Uh, I guess we're building a file to go to a lender. You've got one main contractor. There might be a couple of small subbies round about that. Um, again, if you've got five or six different guys or girls coming together to build the project, you, you look for one architect to sign it all off. Again, even for presenting the file before we got anywhere near the drawdown stages, you can be chasing five or six different contractors, you know, chasing them around the email, um, getting these costs in. And, you know, they've all got to be done to a certain amount of detail. I won't say I've ever seen it done in the back of a high packet, but some some uh, guys were more organized for putting their figures together than some other ones, you know. So yeah. it, there doesn't have to be one main contractor. No. I think uh, ultimately, yeah, the temptation's there. But sometimes if you have the your trade yourself, you know, sometimes it's best to take a step back and, you know, project manage it and, and throw your 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 passion into the driving the project forward rather than getting stuck in yourself but you know it's easy to say that but clearly you know uh, time is you know times are tough and uh, you know money is tight uh, and sometimes it is a case of trying to do as much as you can yourself uh, but make sure it's certified uh, and you keep on the right side of the lender I guess yeah it's a bit again nothing wrong with doing it yourself or being hands-on yourself one thing that almost nobody ever thinks about is actually because I'll ensure the materials, ensure the site. Um, very rare that I get somebody asking me about getting some sort of key man covered in place to ensure themselves. Hmm. Um, because people do fall off ladders on day two of a project and it just made itself fit because you're on the cheaper rate. Hmm. Suddenly you've got to get a contractor in and clear the everything for a different price we're doing it yourselves. So again, it's just just thinking about pros and cons of each different step there, Elena. Yeah. No. Uh, we've had a few questions come in, and I'm just going to fire them up on the screen. So um, we, we've had a question from uh, Jody. Uh, Jody's asking, is it a bad time to apply for a mortgage due to COVID and economic situation? Uh, we touched on this earlier on, uh, but perhaps, you know, is it a bad time? Um, is there any kind of products out there that have stopped? Is there any kind of any ones with, that have had... Uh, let's say, less desirable terms applied or, or any other restrictions? Yeah, not really. Um, there was, let's say, I'm not really going to mention any lenders here done for different reasons, let's say, that would be seen to be almost implying one's better than another one. There was one of the major self-build lenders that just came out of the market for about six weeks. Um, I don't know, was that just to do with resource or, you know, working remotely? Um, but they're back in now. The dates haven't really changed any. Um, I suppose the only thing you'd have to keep in mind, but this is the same for a standard mortgage anyway, is if you're on furlough until they've got a let, you know, the, the bank's got a lender, a letter from your employer, sorry, saying you're going to go back tomorrow, 1st of July, whenever it's going to be, the lender will only assess you on your furloughed income, if you like. Um, self employed people, again, across the board, it's going to be time will just tell how lenders view self employed people. Um, if this has been a bad year, and they'll go back to normal next year. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's it, it's been uh, catastrophic for self built applications. Probably less of them just now, but there's no reason why it should prevent anybody. You know? In terms of um, comparing mortgages, uh, again, Jody's come in with a, a question about: Is there a tool available to compare mortgages? I mean, you've got the mortgage brokers, uh, but almost like you're 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 purchasing your your utilities. You know, is there is there, a, is there a way of being able to do a bit of groundwork yourself? Because um, that actually can help to uh, smooth the whole process once you're actually engaging with either a mortgage provider or, or a broker. It's, the, the, the way that 
we seem to be going our ways. It's becoming very online orientated, and, and there's a lot of information online, which is a great thing to do. Sometimes it's yeah. not the not the best information, or sometimes it's wrong. Uh, but sometimes it's good to be aware, so you know the right questions to ask. But you know, is there a mortgage comparison uh, website? Um, there's probably quite a few. I, I would genuinely be wary about self builds relying on, a, on an off the shelf, you know, kind of program for self builds. Um, for part of the criteria we've already spoken about, but again, again, it's got to be the best price product. That's what we want for clients, without any doubt at all. Um, but it is more of a journey, you know. If you're just buying a standard house, again, that may just take four, six weeks. Um, this is me a lender who we're going to have some interaction with, probably six months, nine months. Um, and again, this is where you know a broker advisor can add a bit of value, hopefully, in terms of what that journey is going to look like. So for clients in MNS, for example, if you look at some of the options that are there, for some of them, each build stage comes in, any communication, it's with a banker in MNS. If a different lender, it's somebody in Edinburgh. For somebody else, it may be having to go through a third party. And indeed, just in terms of some of the, the, the lenders we've, we've seen in the past, communication, there's a wide variance. And for some of them, again, we hope that we don't have any blitz with the developer or the project. But it's good to know you can get a quick answer back um, if we're phoning a lender on the client's behalf and they can give us no idea of when we're going to hear back from them. That's quite a scary position to be in if you're trying to get the build finished before Christmas time. Um, so there are tools there. I would I, I would really hesitate hanging your hat on them for a self-build for a few more variables than a standard mortgage for sure. I guess the other part of uh, the discussions early kind of uh, research is, is about relationship you know that it's a long-term project you know in, in terms of it's not just a quick fix it's it's a long-term project and it really is about having that relationship with the mortgage provider as well because you you know hopefully everything goes swimmingly but sometimes things do happen you know it could be you know uh, it, what we're living right now with the COVID and uh, you just don't know what's around the corner and I can imagine that relationships uh, go a long way towards smoothing out any kind of bumps in the road yeah, and, and as we spoke about earlier on, Gavin, you know, if, if something's changed in your circumstance and you've not told a lender and they kind of then discover it five, six months down the line, yeah. it's going to be tricky then going back and asking for a bit more cash from them, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, in terms of how we recommend a self-build provider, um, again, they're all different. We look at the client first of all, build, what's that house they're going to do, how they need the payments. And probably at that stage, now it went to two or three, We've got to look at the cost for a client, absolutely. Um, but you know, it's definitely it's definitely incumbent on us to give them some feedback on how that lender's dealt before, when there was a problem, when there was a crisis, did it get escalated? We were left hanging on the phone. Um, you know, so although it may appear option one's cheaper than option two, if option two is going to take twice as long to get there, then you know, sometimes uh, the cheapest isn't the best in any yeah. in quantity. We have a, a question from uh, Anna. Um, I'm going to throw it up on the screen. It's uh, do lenders charge a fee for every adjustment made? So kind of along the lines of what we were talking about there is it may be that you require additional work, uh, sorry, additional money, um, or there may be other kind of adjustments required to the lending criteria. But uh, just thinking if I tell them every time I enter a finance deal on furniture or change part of the design that I might have to pay to fee, um, pay the fee. So. Um, does that maybe come down to the relationships again? To, to, you know, is there parameters that people should think about to make sure that they 
they don't phone up every time, or maybe it is a case that you have to phone up every time. Yeah, no, I, I can't really say I've seen additional fees. I mean, again, that's where each line is different, and some will have a fee for every stage payment if there's five stages. I mean, that should be built into illustration at the start, to be honest with you. Um, no, I've, I've never really seen, it's certainly not across the board, but it that way. Um, ultimately, the lender, once they're in, they want to get that mortgage finished off. I've used a happy client who's going to stay with them for a few more years. Um, they probably will have, I won't say the small print, but in the terms of conditions, if things go way awry and we're reading them on the phone every week, then there probably could be an exclusion where they could, they could get an admin charge in. But it's very uncommon, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, yeah it's an, it's an it is an interesting question because you don't want to fall foul of the provider. But at the same time, you want to understand exactly what the parameters are. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Thank you, uh, Anna, for that question. Uh, we've also had one in from Stefan. Uh, take it, uh, you need the land prior applying for a, a self-built mortgage. Uh, do you need to own the land 100% uh, or could it have some finance on it? Um, don't need to own the land. Um, again, what most lenders will look at is the overall project. So cost of land and then cost of the bulb on top of it. Um, and again, going back to the first question, or the first point we talked about, Gavin, where some people will just roll on, buy the land, get the first foundations in, and then come to the lender. Um, it can be a smoother journey if we just approach the right lender at the start and they'll lend us X amount of the land and then X amount of the build. I think intuitively people think, I'll hold on to my money or I'll, I'll delay borrowing any money for as long as possible. And if you're just working out of a calculator, well, that would be right because you're not borrowing in month one, you're not borrowing for month six or seven. But in terms of how your cash flow has gone and maybe having a less stressful you know, experience because um, you've still got some of your own cash left, um, you know, there's no right or wrong way. You just kill it all options. But it is possible to, buy, to borrow on the land itself and then just keep that pro rata, say, 75% all the way through the different stages after that. I guess that's the, the good reason to be engaging a financial expert as quickly as possible because you may have all sorts of scenarios that really affect your own self-build. So to go back to the earlier point about uh, comparison websites, um, that's maybe not the right fit. If you have uh, specific circumstances that uh, that affect your, your overall kind of goal for this kind of project. So if you engage someone like yourselves, I guess uh, you can kind of like, what are all the kind of provisions? What are all the... Um, commitments you have, uh, what support do you want to build, and then you can maybe come up with a scenario uh, that meets the lending criteria, opens up the, the choice, which I guess is, is crucial to make sure that you get the right lending uh, partner on board. Um, and yeah, if you do it early enough, then then hopefully it's, a, it's, a, it's another stepping stone to a successful project. Yeah, you're, you're right, Gavin, and we've done that before for clients. You've said, well, I've got this chunk of cash here, what does it look like if I just drip feed it into the project along with the build, as opposed to what does it look like if I just buy the land and then come back and start borrowing it at your build stage? Um, and it's not it's not too difficult to run two different cash flows for that, showing the pros and cons. Um, but no, it, the, the things the process has moved on, the market's moved on since you had to have the land and come to the the party for that. That's that's certainly not the case any longer, which is good. Hopefully, hopefully that answers your question, uh, Stefan. Uh, uh, Vicky's come in with another question about insurance. Uh, should you insure for the risk of the contractor going bust? Which is a, a good question. It's 
it's probably something on, it's on the uh, on the minds of everybody. It's uh, through probably no through no fault of the contractor with COVID and just this bang, we're shut down for a few months, and um, that can have an impact on anybody's business. Um, and it's probably unforeseen prior to, to COVID happening. But is it is it a carte blanche kind of insurance that you can actually purchase to to um, protect yourselves against the, the main contractor going bust or perhaps any contractor that you're directly uh, contracting with? Yeah, again, it's probably not a question we've had before we're doing this first week in January, I suppose. Um, and I don't think, I've never seen it anywhere on a lender's specific insurance kind of criteria. Um, I mean, I was dealing with a chap who was looking to just buy a, a kind of new build house, not a self build house from a developer. And again, he's now thinking, what the house see for you're handing over a deposit for a house won't be bought for seven or eight months' time. So I guess it wouldn't be a sort of insurance we would deal with, probably more for a general insurer or a specialist there who would, could advise on that type of policy. We don't deal that ourselves. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think in today's market you can really see anything for granted. So yeah. I, don't, I, don't expect, I don't think the lender would insist on that. But yeah, is it a good idea to have it if it's affordable? Definitely is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Again, hopefully that answers the question, Vicky. Thanks again for the for your question. Um, uh, we have another one in from uh, God. There's so many questions. I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, uh, screen them first, but uh, they're coming in thick and fast. So bear with me. Uh, just to keep my mind. So here's one from Anna. Uh, I'm just thinking that if I'm going to keep my lender in the loop. When I enter new financial deals for furniture, I make a change. To, oh, I think we've already answered that one, haven't we? Or have we? Uh, when I enter new financial deals for furniture or make a change to my design, I might have to pay. Yeah, we did answer that one. Hope, sorry. Uh, yeah, I hope. I've, I've never seen a, pay, a fee charged for that, but yeah, I definitely keep in touch with them. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, Paulette, thanks for your question. Is there any mortgages with no proof of income? Um, I do own a property with a small mortgage and I do own the land I want to build on. So is there a mortgage with uh, with no proof of income? Uh, this is probably the one question I can ask, answer in black and white, Gavin, rather than the shades of grey, as most of it's been up to now. Fortunately, there isn't. Um, yeah, you know, I think there's a bounce back one been reintroduced a couple of months ago, and that's probably the only sort of self-certification uh, lending which is about these days. So, no, way back in my early career um, of dealing with mortgages and self-builds, it was possible to get a self-cert self-build, but uh, that was kind of killed off at the, the 0708 crash. I don't, I wouldn't expect that to come back anytime shortly, to be honest with you. And if, if there was, I, I guess it would maybe be more pricier in terms of interest rate. Would, would that be a fair comment? Or um, really Yeah, I think it would be more pricey. You'd be looking at lower loan-to-value. Um, then you could get if you can pay income, but I, I just think the the whole climate at the moment, even before COVID, mm -hmm. again lenders under you know, more rules up above them to be responsible lenders, and that's why they'll go in such great detail about somebody with credit cards, buy now pay later, that whole thing. I don't think it's the banks necessarily choosing to go down that route, but uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect self serve to come back. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Um, hopefully that answers your question, Paulette. Uh, Calvin's coming with a question about crofting uh, grants. So uh, we've just secured a, a grofting grant to build on our croft. Do you have any tips for securing a mortgage for crofters? Um, is it more difficult? Uh, we'll be decrofting the house site. Yeah, definitely more difficult. Um, 
I have not done one myself, although a very reliable source of mine in MS uh, did allude to me just a few weeks ago actually that he, he had come up with one lender um, who would entertain uh, building a crop of land. Um, Calvin, if you get in touch with me, I will be very interested myself to see how that develops. I, I actually did remember speaking to the guy and saying I would love to have a lot of SKs to take to him. Um, in the main, from security-wise, lenders couldn't really get to take proper title over a croft. So, you know, it, it really kind of cat-tied it um, mm -hmm. from the person who owned the croft being able to put a land a house on it. And then in turn, how could they sell it on if the new, if the new purchaser couldn't get title over it, you were kind of stymied. So, but yeah, somebody's told me there is a way somewhere. Good. It's probably worth saying at this point that, uh, you know, you're being fired questions, you're answering quite succinctly and, and very well in my opinion uh, but obviously you know this is all kind of your your uh, your quick answers uh, there's obviously a lot more behind this so just to put that For little sure. uh, caveat there so okay good uh, Chris has come in he's got a question uh, do you need build plans to go for the mortgage or is it a basic for is a basic floor plan enough uh, how do they value the build um, you would certainly be able to get I guess you call it an, an agreement in principle um, you know, on the more basic floor plans. Um, again, as far as the lenders go, they're just looking at numbers, first of all. What's the income? What's the loan to value? Could be how does it fit within our self ball criteria? Um, to me, it, it's all kind of shadow boxing, really, until you've got costed plans, you know, plan permission, lending on to building warrant. Um, so, yeah, to answer the question, you could, you could get a mortgage approved. I, I always get a little bit nervous when people have got that early stage approval still to go back and put the flesh in the bones of it because I just fear sometimes people take that agreement in principle as a bit of paper without right boom I'm home and hosed here the next year from them six months later they've started out their own cash and what they've actually taken back the party has more depth it's not quite what we, have, what we appear to be looking at so I think for Chris or anybody else no problem at all you can get an overview from a lender but I would still have a bit of caution. Don't hang your hat on that until you've really got the full comprehensive costs in front of you. Yeah, I guess that applies to any uh, purchase, not just self-build, but I guess it's the temptation is there to uh, to do some uh, budgetary kind of discussions with a mortgage lender, but then you're, you get excited and you go off to the market and you think, I'm just going to uh, sink, my, sink my, my hands into a, you know, a house build or even just a, a brand new house or a, a used house. But it, yeah, it, Again, everything can change, and uh, it does, it's not even just down to your circumstance. It could be the lender's criteria as well. So it really is a case of just keeping keeping the lenders informed, keeping the broker informed, and, and just uh, taking them along on the journey to make sure that you're you're on the right path. And uh, Stefan's come back. Uh, he's going to grab a coffee with you. So uh, thanks for uh, clearing up his uh, his question. Just one uh, sugar, Stefan. <laughs> You never, uh, you never tried to ask for the coffees. Let's <laughs> <laughs> come back. Yeah, do, do, do some lenders have a time limit for the self-build borrowing uh, before it gets converted into a mortgage? Uh, that's a very good question from next bank there, Antoinette. You're trying to catch me out. Um, I would say in the general, it's twelve months. Um, I, I have seen a couple of projects gone beyond that, and it wasn't really the fault of anybody's. Um, you know, I've never really seen anybody been hit horrendously hard by it, but you, I suppose what I would say is the interest rate during the build stage will 
will never really be as expensive as the end mortgage you go on to. So I wouldn't say there's a time limit on it. I mean, if it's not been finished after you know 12 months, they're not going to you know take the keys over. Um, it's going to be in the client's own interest as well to get off that rate onto a better end mortgage rate. Um, so yeah, again, yeah, again, communication. We've mentioned that a few times before, haven't we? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think it'd be interesting yeah. to tell Angel that, you know, it's been a bad winter, the contractor broke his leg, whatever it may be. I think if you manage it, um, put it through a broker or going yourself, that's going to have a better outcome. Um, to some extent, it depends which lens you're with. And again, we've talked before, you know, there's some lenders are more amenable to a chat and good communication in a collegiate manner through the vault stage, some not so flexible. Okay, uh, Antoinette, hopefully that answers your uh, question. Uh, we have another one in from uh, Monica. Are you grabbing a drink whilst you're actually answering all these questions? Or still coming in thick and fast. But, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get through them all before we uh, close off at 8 o'clock. Uh, so Monica's asking, if due to material changes or change uh, to property structure, current lender is not happy to continue sponsoring the next stages of the self-build, what alternatives does the applicant have? That's a good question. Yeah, so. yeah, well, that would be that would be kind of jumping horse halfway through the race, um, which isn't to be recommended. The lender simply says, "Look, this is no longer fits our parameters, and that's what you've got to do." Um, I can think of two occasions like that, probably in the last few years. Um, it's it's not pretty, but it can be done because a half bought house is no use to nobody really. Um, Again, while well, I say a lot of lenders are different, I mean, the basic sign-offs they would have are the same. Um, I think really what you need to do there is obviously look to a new lender, say, here's our income, here's our commitments, yeah, we fit the bill, type of house is going to fit the bill. Um, you really have to take that file, hopefully, with proper sign-offs all the way through the first for the first lender and get that in front of the second lender. I would say that's where, you know, relationships with a lender um, are a key there. So, obviously, Customer amount of relationship to the lender, but uh, mm. I think for a broker, that's where we really have to earn our corn and uh, get somebody to take a view on the thing. Um, so, I not think, easy, but not impossible to be fair. And I guess if you're in that position, um, I can imagine it's it's, it's not it's, it's actually quite an attractive position for a lender to come in and uh, perhaps be a bit um, cute in terms of um, a, a, an interest rate that they're going to apply to the project because you are in a sticky wicket in terms of. Uh, moving. Um, okay, so gonna, uh, yeah, yeah, I've actually never really seen that. I've never seen the lender take advantage. Okay, um, good, good. I've seen I've seen some mortgage brokers take advantage. Um, well, name no names as we're in the Sabbath, but yeah, I've never seen lenders really <laughs> been ridiculous. But it's a tricky situation. It's just trying to get get things yeah. back on track again, really, at that point. You know? Yeah, as I say, things do happen and. It's about how you actually manage it and keeping the experts alongside you so that you can actually you're not dealing with it on your own. You're actually reaching into the into the, the knowledge pool to make sure that you actually make the right decision. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Monica. Uh, Derek, uh, Derek's come on with a question about uh, the Croft House grant scheme. Uh, does uh, receiving the Croft House grant scheme have any implications on you achieving a, a self-build mortgage? Um, right, I might need to I might need to throw that one offline this week because in the previous one, let's say I've never myself seen a crop, a crop one get get going. So if that if that new new option that was told just about ten days ago, two weeks ago, um, is a go, then that that question will be pertinent there. Um, 
I mean, if he had received a grant, then decrofted the property up again. I'm not, I'm not a crofting expert, so I'm not sure what happened with that. If the, the crofting grant would have had to get repaid when he decrofted the house, I suppose. Um, Is there associations that can uh, that perhaps Derek can can reach out to as well? Is there, um, you know, specialists that actually deal with the the, the grant scheme uh, and anything else that might relate, be related to it? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Derek, if you drop me a line or whatever, I'll certainly put you in touch with the, the, the guy who spoke to me about the, the case. Um, I mean, there's certainly solicitors within Monroe Noble who are crofting experience. Um, it is quite a niche, you know, it's a niche area. Um, so, yeah, more than happy to follow up on that for sure. Uh, thanks, Derek. Uh, we have a question from Finlay. Do, do most self-build lenders insist on the completed property being occupied as the borrower's primary residence? So if the property is to be used for a holiday letting, a uh, second home, it could be in, I don't know, I guess, West Coast or uh, wherever, how does that actually impact the uh, uh, the lending, again, lending criteria? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, from the, let's say, nine or ten lenders that are in the marketplace, they're just interested in self-build somebody's own home. Um, you mentioned the West Coast again. How many properties up down the West Coast were done as self-build, and there's something, there's something more going on than a residential house. Uh, probably quite a high percentage. Um, but but really, the self-build options there are for somebody building their own house just to live in. Um, if you are looking for a you know for a build to either have as your own home with a holiday letting attached to it, you're probably getting away from really strict self-builds. Um, there's only really one lender I've, I've got in my repertoire who are based in the Highlands actually who would entertain almost, it's almost merging copy and tea if you like. Uh, for most of the self-build lenders, just your own homes, what they want to do. There's certainly ways to get a build for a semi-commercial property, but again, that's not self-builds, that's more specialist lenders, yeah. um, mainly higher interest rates, higher deposits needed. Okay, good. Uh, thanks, Finlay. A uh, question from Ken. Uh, a lot of timber framed kit suppliers around now. Uh, what's the current appetite from resi lenders uh, on this type of construction? Um, yeah, yeah as, as long as the property is mortgageable, it should absolutely be possible to get a mortgage on it from a self call provider. Um, it's going beyond the scope of what we've got time for today, but I mean, the, the more you know, less traditional build construction types where a lot of it's going to get, you know, Prefabricated, pre-made off-site. Um, that does get you know, kind of again narrow down the not narrow down, probably differentiates the mortgage providers out there, where some will pay in arrears. So for more traditional construction, you know, there's a month the contractors that do work for a month, we get some money back out of the lender at the end of the month. Um, for some other ones, and I've seen a lot of timber framed kit um, going this way. It's a shorter build period that the supplier wants money up front. So again. To one of the earlier um, questions uh, in terms of, of um, kind of portals, that's where it can be a bit more difficult to really reach in to get that lender's criteria. Um, so there are ways to do it, Ken, absolutely. It's just going to mean some lenders who maybe some are more visible into the high street, they won't be the people to go to for that type of, uh, of, of project. Uh, on, on that theme, I mean, is there anything else that actually causes a problem for self-built mortgages, for example, you know, is there any restricted types of construction that just self-built mortgage providers just will not touch? Um, I've never really seen any, uh, to be honest with you, Gavin, I'd say there's some more specialists than other ones, so if people are showing me designs, apart from the numbers, 
whether it's got a flat roof or a lot of glass coming or whatever, intuitively I'm probably narrowing it down. Won't be right for that two or three lenders there. It'll be more, you know, it's only just picking your targets. Lenders are absolutely entitled to decide what sort of houses they like and don't like. Whether it makes sense to people like me or clients and all that's regardless. <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't make sense to some developers sometimes. Um, it, it's horses for courses. Yeah. All right, so we're, we've got five minutes to go. Um, just going to wrap up. So just, I guess, some takeaways, uh, Hamish, if you wouldn't mind. So if uh, people are on the call and uh, considering a self-build, perhaps they're in the middle um, of the self-build or, or looking at the, the, the end kind of self-build, converting the self-build mortgage into into the longer term mortgage, you know, is there any takeaways that you would you would offer? I, th I think just to recap, um, look before you leap. You know, if you're having a cool chat, cool calm chat with an advisor or a bank or going online, much better doing it at the very start, trying to plot out what that journey is going to look like. Um, there are things going to be wrong with a self build with the contractor, with land, whatever it is, that can just happen. It's almost unforced errors, if you like. Where you've gone, you've got the money for the land, you've taken the first two, three stages down the way, and then we're fitting, we're finding we don't quite fit into that lender strategy. That's where things get really nervous. Mm -hmm. um, so, so preparation at the start, and then I think communication through the through the ball. If something's going to change, try it out early as possible, and there's more likely way to manage it. Um, and and yeah, keep options open. You don't have to go through a broker. I think you know, obviously we do, we do we've done a lot of self builds. Um, I think with all, you know, all that's happened the last two, three months, you know, for, for some brokers, Gavin, self is not their bag. They may want to more align with traditional houses, help the buys, they might want to be working closely with a, an established builder. Um, I, I, I probably do think that some, some brokers, and when I say this, it's their choice how they view the market. They haven't really been attracted to self before. I just I wonder if now some brokers out there will just have a go at self mm -hmm. you know, especially a bigger one for the might a bigger fee involved. I think clients, members of the public are more than entitled to just query the broker a little bit. You know, well, how many self-holds have you done in the past? Mm -hmm. I, would, I wouldn't want to be somebody's guinea pig if I've not been there a self-hold for five years that they're going to kind of learn of my ticket, if you like. So I think you're more, you know, the broker, the broker will ask you a lot of questions. Nothing wrong with asking the broker some questions as well. You know? Yeah, I think it's, buyer beware almost isn't it i mean it's uh, again this this whole online culture that we're in now there's there's information available online so you can do your checks you can ask around you know to say you know have you got any kind of uh, uh, referrals you can uh, you can uh, speak to make sure that uh, you do your research so um. yeah all right sure. great well thank you very much uh it's been very very useful um uh, we've had a lot of questions in uh, very very specific questions um you know how, how do people get in touch with you uh, if they want to talk to you offline, yeah, um, you'll find in the Monroe Noble uh, kind of website. Uh, we're based in MS, but I've got clients all over doing self help projects everywhere from Aberdeen, Orkney, Sky, down to Open Direction. Um, so, Monroe Noble website, um, I'm on LinkedIn, probably good for some business chat on there as well. So, uh, yeah, drop us a line. I think the mobile or the office number is down the bottom there in the little uh, scheme going across. So. Yeah, more than happy to speak to anybody. No commitment. Just have a chat, folks. We engage us and great. Um, if it's more light touch stuff you need, then yeah, happy with that. No problem.
Great, thank you. Um, so, yep, that's that's us coming to a wrap. Uh, we are back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we have uh, Black Isle Renewables, uh, a neighbour of yours, Hamish. Um, yeah. Uh, Kelly Tad will be online talking about heat pumps. Um, we've actually got some footage from uh, Black Isle Renewables. They attended our uh, Scottish uh, self-building renovation event up in Inverness. Um, I'm just going to fire them up on the screen because they're uh, they're a very fine bunch of people. Hi, uh, we're Black Isle Renewables. We're based in Dingwall. We specialise in the installation of air source and ground source heat pumps. Um, we also do servicing of heat pumps as well. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's been so busy. Um, we've talked to people with doing lots of new projects, people who are renovating houses, all sorts, real, real range of people. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's been, it's been really good. It's been so, but we just can't talk fast enough. Uh, so they're joining us in uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, we look forward to that. So if anyone's uh, in the planning stages, trying to understand exactly how how they're going to heat, how they're going to cool their uh, their property, then that's one to listen to. So seven o'clock on the twelfth of July, I think. So thank you very much, uh, Hamish. Uh, again, no pleasure. We we hope to uh, we hope that's been of interest to a lot of people. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, thank you. Cheers.